Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net and your host for the WSN podcast. We are moving through the fall sports season, high school football into week six of the season. We're going to preview a little bit of week six action today. Also, as we are into week six and after this week, we will be complete with week six. We can start talking quite a bit about that P word, the playoffs. There will be teams that will clinch playoff spots after this week that uh, are guaranteed to be in the postseason. And that's going to be a big focus the rest of the way for us as we work on our previews and our podcasts and everything else. And also for the teams involved as they scramble to get enough wins to become playoff qualified or maybe put themselves on, a, on, uh, on the bubble a little bit. Today on the WSN Podcast, again, we'll preview week six of the high school football season. We'll also take a few user questions, a few reader questions that uh, have come in over the last couple days and answer those as well. Let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, again, we are uh, we are into week six of the high school football season, and it's an interesting one with uh, with the games that are on the schedule this week. Um, our quick trip in Wisconsin Dairy game of the week, a little bit of an upset, at least for me, as I had kind of longingly uh, hoped to be able to go watch the Reedsburg Beavers uh, take on Onalaska, but nonetheless, should be a good game. Two undefeated teams in the Northeastern Conference as Little Shoot travels to Fox Valley Lutheran. The Northeastern Conference this year shaping up to be one of the best leagues in the state once again. Dominated play over the Bay Conference to get some uh, some extra wins. And in fact, heading into last week's action, all of the Northeastern Conference teams were 2-0 in conference play because of those crossovers against the Bay Conference. But things are starting to shake out a little bit now. Um, in Fox Valley Lutheran and Little Shoot, two of the undefeated teams remaining in that league. Also, Freedom is undefeated. Uh, Denmark has the worst record in the conference at 3-2 and two overall. You've also got Luxembourg-Casco in Wrightstown with just one loss. So, very competitive race in the Northeastern. And because of that dynamic of the crossover games against the Bay Conference, uh, really makes things all that much more intriguing. And essentially, it's a five-game conference schedule uh, because of all of them getting wins over the Bay Conference in those crossovers. So that was our game of the week. That is our game of the week on WISSports.net. Other nominees that we had, Randolph at Cambria Friesland, even though Randolph lost last week to Johnson Creek, a little bit of an upset. Cambria Friesland is the last remaining undefeated team in the Trailways Conference. 5-0 overall. Narrowly got past Deerfield last week. A huge one in the Scenic Bluffs Conference where Bangor has won every Scenic Bluffs Conference title since 2014. Last year, they did see their 44-game conference winning streak end against Luther in the regular season. They beat Cashton in the regular season, but fell to the Cardinals in Level 2 of the playoffs. But uh, this week, Bangor and Cashton both undefeated. A huge game in the Scenic Bluffs Conference. Plymouth and Kewaskum, a couple of big-time rivals there uh, in that Eastern uh East Central Conference now for many years. We're in the Eastern Wisconsin Conference. Even though Plymouth lost last week, it was a controversial ending to Berlin. Um, they, uh, you know, it, it's still a race in that East Central Conference. And 
from what I was able to uh, to gather in that uh, Plymouth Berlin game, uh, Berlin had the ball late in the game. There was a, uh, a a play or a situation in the final ten seconds where the clock ran down as uh, they were unsure if Berlin had picked up a first down or not, and the clock actually ran down to zero. They put time back on the clock, and then uh, on the last play of the game, Berlin connected on a 15-yard touchdown pass to win it over Plymouth. And then again, the Reedsburg on Alaska game, uh, another one that uh, is a huge matchup in the Mississippi Valley Conference. Both teams are undefeated. And uh, on Alaska, the, the favorite coming into the year, we had them as the favorite in the MVC, but Reedsburg putting together an excellent season, uh, a resurgence under second-year head coach Calvin Zenz. Uh, again, uh, full disclosure and disclaimer, my son is a freshman in the Reedsburg football program, not playing on varsity or anything like that, but uh, in the program there at Reedsburg. Other games of note, let's run through. We'll start in the Milwaukee area. Another huge one for Maguanago. Stop me if you've heard this before. It seems every week they're playing in a huge matchup. They've already uh, had two big non-conference wins over Sussex Hamilton and then Sun Prairie East. They beat Muskego last week. Uh, and this week, they get another top five team in Division One. as Arrowhead is undefeated, having a little bit of a resurgent uh, year. And we'll see if, if they're back to that elite level this week as they take on and, and host Laguanago in a huge one down there. Speaking of big games down in that area, Oak Creek and Franklin, one of the better rivalry games in the state of Wisconsin. They play for a pretty cool uh, helmet trophy down there. Neighboring school districts, uh, big-time rivals in the Southeast Conference that have really dominated that league for, for a while now. Uh, and Franklin, quite honestly, has dominated this rivalry. They have... One, uh, Oak Creek last won in 2014 in the regular season, although even in that year, Franklin did win in the playoffs over Oak Creek. Another undefeated matchup for Catholic Memorial, as they will take on New Berlin West, who won last week's Quick Trip and Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week over New Berlin Eisenhower. New Berlin West was very impressive in that one. They run a ground-and-pound type offense. They did hit on some big plays in the running game. Defense was stingy. And that's the, the, the template. That's the format they will have to follow again against a very explosive Catholic Memorial team, obviously featuring Corey Smith at running back. The passing game starting to get going a little bit more. Uh, but they can score in a hurry, and New Berlin West is going to have to control the clock, control the ball, uh, finish drives, not just you know, eat up time, but they've got to capitalize and finish off drives with points. Uh, that's that's going to be the key for New Berlin West. But I was very impressed with the Vikings in that win over Eisenhower last week. In the Greater Metro Conference, Sussex-Hamilton, the only undefeated team left in that league, at least in conference play, they take on Marquette, who's, uh, who's improved after a little bit of a rough start. Uh, but they've played a very tough schedule, Marquette has, and all of their games have been very competitive. North Shore Conference, Hartford has control right now. They're the only team 3-0. There's a, a bunch of teams behind them at 2-1, and, and that includes Cedarburg, who has played a bunch of close games this year as well. Last week, Lake Country Lutheran went down to University School of Milwaukee. Uh, that dropped Lake Country Lutheran to 2-3 and three overall. Certainly not a spot that we have seen the Lightning in for quite some time. Um, and, and they get a, a tough one this week. They welcome in Martin Luther, who's one of the three teams tied atop the standings in the Metro Conference, uh, Metro Classic Conference, that is. So Lake Country Lutheran looking to get back on track, get going, and uh, you know, get back potentially 
in that race. If nothing else, get enough wins to start getting themselves playoff qualified and eligible. In the Madison area, we've talked about the Capital Conference a number of times this year, how deep and talented that league is with a number of, of top-level Division Four teams. And two of them square off this week, Edgewood at Columbus. And if you remember, these teams were supposed to meet last year in Level 3 when both were undefeated at that time. But in the week before that game is when the word came out that Edgewood had used an ineligible player all year. Uh, they were deemed ineligible for the playoffs, and Kiwaskum took their spot in the playoffs. There was a, a lawsuit filed by Edgewood that they ended up losing, and uh, and Kiwaskum replaced them in the playoffs, and that's who Columbus played and beat to get to the state semifinals. Would have been great to see them play last year. We do get that game this year as a conference matchup, uh, but Edgewood is coming off their first loss of the year. They lost to Lodi last week, uh, but again, that league, incredibly, incredibly strong this year. The Big 8 Conference, Madison Memorial had been rolling along, looking very good, and then all of a sudden, last week went down to Middleton and uh, dropped Madison Memorial out of that top spot, and it leaves Verona after just three weeks as the only team without a loss in conference play and in control as of right now. They have beaten Middleton already, so if Verona can get past Madison Memorial... No, that's the two probably other top contenders in the league that, that Verona has beaten, if they can get past Madison Memorial. Oregon, kind of sneakily 4-1, and 3-0 uh, in conference play in the Badger Large, but they um, they haven't played the, the, the top teams in that league yet. They have not played Wanakee and have not played Sun Prairie East, who they played this week. Sun Prairie East scored a big, dominating win in the first ever matchup with new crosstown rival Sun Prairie West last week. Uh, a lot of pageantry, a lot of uh, history made in that one, the first ever matchup between Sun Prairie East and Sun Prairie West uh, as those schools split this year. Speaking of history and pageantry, the third most played rivalry in state history renews this week. Darlington and Monroe Point for the 121st time dating back to the very first matchup in 1894. Darlington has dominated this uh, this rivalry. They lead 89-26 to 26 with five ties. Uh, and, but Mineral Point has been playing better. Darlington is, is you know, they're ranked. Uh, Mineral Point's got three losses, but, but Mineral Point has been playing a little bit better. Still going to be tough against a Darlington team that can just roll out running back after running back, and, and just ground and pound into submission. In the Six Rivers Conference, you have River Ridge at Blackhawk Warren. Blackhawk Warren uh, lost a crossover game against Darlington, which for playoff purposes does count in the conference standings. Last year, Blackhawk beat River Ridge 25-0 in the playoffs. Another rivalry game, and this one is a milestone game, as Beaver Dam in Watertown will square off for the 100th Time. Both teams are undefeated, or excuse me, not undefeated. They are, they are defeated. They have not won a game yet. Neither team has. So somebody will get their first win. But again, when you're talking about a special rivalry matchup like this and a special 100th meeting between these teams, certainly a, a game of note. First played back in 1904, Watertown does lead this series 56 to 40 with three ties. We talked about Randolph and Cambria Friesland in the Trailways Conference as well. Moving into the Fox Valley, 
Uh, we, we mentioned Plymouth and Kiwaskum. Uh, Pulaski started 3-0, and and we got thinking maybe they were going to compete and challenge for that FRCC North title. But back-to-back losses against two teams that are still undefeated, Bayport and West Appear, likely out of the title race are the Red Raiders, but they've got to get back on track, got to regroup, got to get start start getting back to getting wins and moving towards that playoff qualification and you know continuing to build momentum for the end of the season. Speaking of West Appear, Crosstown rivalry game this week as they take on De Pere. De Pere started 0-3, but uh, has won the last two games. Got got head coach, new head coach, first-year head coach Ben Strickland, his first couple victories, uh, a little bit softer part of their schedule. But uh, now they get to go to their Crosstown rivals at West De Pere. In the FVA, Fond du Lac is another team that had high hopes coming into the year, thought about maybe challenging for the, the FVA title. Still possible technically, but uh, they lost a non-conference game uh, to uh, Franklin. They lost to Nina a couple weeks ago in conference play, and they've got to get back on tr- on track and uh, get things going in the right direction. They've got a really tough stretch coming up. They have uh, Caucona this week, and then they have Kimberly, and then they have Appleton North. So that's a really tough stretch of, of games for Fond du Lac and first-year head coach Sam Plucker. Uh, but they, uh, they, they've got the talent. They've got the experience. One of the more experienced teams in the entire state, in fact, after last year being one of the least experienced teams in the entire state. So they're looking to get back on track as well. Talked about the, uh, the Northeastern Conference and that uh, game of the week between Little Shoot and Fox Valley Lutheran. But we've also got another big one in that league, Freedom and Luxembourg-Casco. Freedom is third ranked in Division Four. Luxembourg-Casco. Lost last week to Little Shoot, dropped down the rankings a little bit, but still in the top ten in Division Three. So they are uh, they are looking to do battle there, and again, it's a really really interesting league race that both of these teams are looking to keep pace in. Coleman and O'Connell Falls, both teams are undefeated in Northwoods Conference play, outright first place on the line in this one. Uh, mentioned briefly, I believe Johnson Creek, who beat Randolph last week. Uh, got a little bit of an upset there, but uh, they get defending Trailways Conference champion Lourdes Academy this week in an 8 o'clock game as there will be a doubleheader there at Titan Stadium. North central part of the state. Kind of an interesting journey for Marathon this year. They lost to Assumption uh, by 31 a couple weeks ago. Turn around and dominate previously undefeated Abbotsford 56-12 last week. So uh, kind of a, a, an interesting journey. They're 3-2. and two- Excuse me, three and two overall, um, and and they they play the three A teams in a row. They lost to Assumption, beat Abbotsford, and now this week they get undefeated Auburndale. So their run of A teams is is complete. Speaking of A teams, Amherst, one of the uh, powerhouse programs in the state, started zero and two in non conference play against a tough schedule, but they've won their first three conference games, and now they're. Back in that familiar position, sitting atop the CWC Large, tied with uh, Stratford. And the Falcons will travel to Wyawiga, Fremont this week. Uh, Wyawiga had been undefeated until last week when they were shut out by Shyockton 21 to nothing. Stratford, meanwhile, will take on Wittenberg-Burnhamwood. Again, Stratford currently uh, sharing first place in the CWC Large with Amherst. 
Wittenberg Burnhamwood off to a good start, having a, a nice year, four and one, two and one in conference play. Uh, despite losing some pretty talented kids last year, they had a coaching change. Um, but they what they have done is they have put six foot two, two hundred and thirty-five pound defensive lineman, linebacker, David Gauderman at running back and just let him run over people. He's averaging more than 100 yards a game. He's averaging, I think it's 11 and a half yards per carry. Still excelling on defense. One of the best defensive players in the state of Wisconsin. 52 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. So that's going to be a load for Stratford to try to handle. Old uh, old Wisconsin Valley rivals scoring off in what is now a VFA contest as Wisconsin Rapids travels to D.C. Everest. Northwest part of the state, lacrosse area, we mentioned a couple of those already. Reesburg at on Alaska, Bangor at Cashton. Up in the Big Rivers Conference, always intrigue up there, and that uh, continues this week. Chippewa Falls is at New Richmond. New Richmond's got some pretty good weapons offensively. I got a chance to see them beat Ellsworth back in the quick trip in Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week. Uh, week two, I think it was. Um, Seamus Scanlon looking very good at quarterback. Andrew Trandall, one of the better running backs in the state of Wisconsin. They're they're averaging more than 300 yards a game, but points have been a little bit tough. I think they're like 22 points a game they're scoring right now, something like that. Um, just not able to capitalize sometimes. Uh, but they're looking to uh, looking to pick up some some wins in that Big Rivers Conference. Both of those teams. Speaking of Ellsworth, who again was defeated by, <coughs> excuse me, New Richmond uh, back in a non-conference game, Ellsworth, the defending runner-up in Division Four, will take on the defending runner-up in Division Three, Rice Lake. Rice Lake moved into the Middle Border Conference this year, and uh, these are two of the better teams in the league. Ellsworth uh, is alone in the uh, standings right now, in part because Rice Lake was shocked last week by Baldwin Woodville. Rice Lake had a ten-point lead in the third quarter. Did not score again, saw Baldwin-Woodville come back to score an overtime victory. So Rice Lake, with a win, would, would really force uh, some, some chaos in that middle border conference. In the Cooley Conference, you've got Westby at defending Division Five state champion Aquinas. West Salem is at GET. Aquinas and West Salem seem to perhaps be on a little bit of a collision course. Their matchup is not until week nine of the regular season. Both teams have dominated this year. Uh, in fact, West Salem actually has a higher uh, point differential in conference play than Aquinas does. Uh, but both teams have dominated, and again, looking like the, the two best teams in the Cooley Conference and looking like um, you know we're, we're set up <coughs> excuse me, for a really interesting game in week nine. Don't know if schedule makers did that on purpose or if it's just the way it worked out. Either way... Could be, could, if they take care of business, be a really uh, exciting Week 9 matchup between those two teams. That's our Week 6 preview. Kind of ran through it a little bit quickly here. And again, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, as promised, we're going to take some uh, some user questions now. We've got a few that came in. I put it out, <coughs> excuse me, uh, on the uh, uh, on the Twitter machine earlier this week to try to get some uh, some questions that people might have. And let's dive into some of those. Uh, Kevin Taylor wants to know my thoughts on the Southern Lakes Conference and specifically where West Osha Central is headed. 
Westosha Central, one of the surprise teams in the entire state for sure. 5-0 and this season. They beat Union Grove in the opening conference game. They have a win over Burlington. But certainly some tough games left ahead of them as they take on Waterford this week. They've got a go-to Badger still. Wilmot in week nine is not going to be a pushover by any means. So uh, that South, or excuse me, that Southern Lakes Conference, as of right now, Badger and West Ocean Central tied atop the standings. Uh, but then, uh, you know, not a lot of separation between really any of the teams, um, but especially kind of that that next tier of teams. But West Ocean Central is, I mean, you're undefeated, sitting very good right now. You, you know, you you control what. Uh, what can happen the rest of the year? So it's a great spot to be, but it does. Uh, there's still work to be done. Obviously, they've given up, you know, a pretty good amount of points. They they've scored a lot. They're averaging almost 40 points a game, but they're also giving up uh, over 20 points a game. So gonna have to make sure that defense is good to go against some of these power teams that uh, that are in that conference. Um, but again, sitting good right now, anyways. Playoff question. We always get some of these. Uh, Derek Borkman wants to know, do you, have, do you have to win your conference to get a top three seed in the playoffs? And let's just take a moment to clarify that seeding process because it is completely disconnected from conference standings, from whether you win conference or not. Um, it's disconnected from the playoff qualifying process. Those are two different things. The seeding process looks at all of your games played and only your games played, so forfeits are not counted. Uh, if you schedule a, re- a replacement game for a forfeit that you got, it does count for seeding. But it does include the following factors, uh, and the WIA does not release the the weighting on these factor on these uh, factors uh, to the chagrin of some people. But uh, the factors that go into the seeding process, your own winning percentage your opponent's winning percentage, your opponent's opponent's winning percentage, your defeated opponent's winning percentage, your defeated opponent's opponent's winning percentage. So those last four things all are trying to take into account your strength of schedule, essentially. How, you know, who did you play? And just as importantly, who did you beat? Also included in the uh, the seeding process are your own three-year historical playoff winning percentage, your conference's historical playoff winning percentage. What that is trying to do is balance for teams that might compete in a very strong conference. And we're going to talk a little bit about strength of conferences when it comes to playoffs in just a moment. But if you are in a, uh, if you're in a good conference, one of the ways to measure if you are in a good conference and how good your conference is, is that conference's uh, performance in the postseason. So that's what those are looking to do. Also included in the uh, in the seeding criteria is a strength of loss game value, which is essentially trying to give you credit for losing to a good team. Um, you know, losing to a team that's eight and zero or nine and zero is better than losing to a team that's zero and nine. Um, and it also kind of closes that gap. If you lose to a good team, let's say that's nine and zero as opposed to playing and beating a team that was 0-9. It's trying to close that gap for the value of, of how that game is counted and factored into the seeding criteria. So those are the seeding procedures, all done electronically, all done uh, by a computer formula, 
and uh, run through the WIAA office. Again, that is disconnected from the playoff qualifying procedures. It does not include where you finish in your conference. Obviously, the better you do in conference, the better your record is going to be, and it will help you. But you could finish third in your conference and get seated behind a team that finishes fourth in a different conference. You could finish first in your conference and get seated behind a team that finishes second or third in a different conference. Just because you're a conference champion does not guarantee you any certain seed. It does not guarantee you a home game. The whole idea and point of electronic seeding and a seeding formula is to look at an entire body of work, not just one piece of it, you know, your conference finish or whatever, and it does not include head-to-head. Um, there were some situations last year where head-to-head looked funky compared to how the teams were seated in the playoffs and understand that consternation. It's something the WIAA uh, could look at. Uh, they're, they're looking to review the process after this year when there would then be two full years of data available to look at and, and see if, uh, if and what tweaks or changes need to be made. That's one of them that they certainly could consider. Let's talk about playoff qualifying criteria for a moment, and let's start from the very beginning. Only 224 teams make the playoffs in high school football for 11-player football. There are 360-some teams that play 11-player football, and only 224 make it. To qualify, it is based on your conference record. So this is where it gets confusing for people sometimes, but it's based on your conference winning percentage. And the reason it's based on conference winning percentage is that's the games that, you know, that that you're assigned and they don't include, at least in these initial qualifications, your non-conference games, um, because non-conference games are obviously can be very different and and whatever else. So it's, it's looking at your conference finish. If you finish, Above 500 in conference play, you're guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. If you, uh, and, and now remember, with the statewide realignment a few years ago, everybody, except for the Lakeland Conference, because there is an odd number of teams in the state, everybody plays seven conference games. You might have crossover game or games that are included in there, but you have seven games that count for your playoff conference record. Finish four and three, you're in. If you finish three and four, you got a shot. And then you have to go through tiebreaker criteria. And, and that tiebreaker criteria includes, <clears throat> when applicable, head-to-head, but that's only if all of the teams have played each other that are tied, and that very rarely is the case. So then it goes down to result versus conference champion. If you beat the conference champion, which is almost never the case, then you get ahead as far as the tiebreaker criteria. Then we start getting into the, the real ones that usually start to apply. That is your defeated opponent's overall win-loss percentage for your conference wins. So the overall win-loss percentage of your conference opponents that you have defeated. If you beat a better team in your conference, then you get um, you know a boost in your tiebreaker number and are more likely to get in. Next is defeated opponents' overall win percentage of all of your games, so that it factors in any non-conference games that you won. Then is your own overall win-loss percentage. And that's usually where, where it ends. Um, 
And actually, uh, depending on how many teams are left, how many teams that that need to get in, there's also um, win-loss percentage versus the playoff field. That does come into play sometimes, actually, uh, if there's uh, enough teams still still tied. Um, that's before the defeated opponent's conference games overall win-loss percentage. So if, if you beat a playoff team, you get... Uh, you know, get a bonus essentially in your tiebreaker. Uh, so we went all the way down uh, overall win loss percentage, and then finally, well, I guess not finally technically, but uh, the next one is your first half points allowed per game through week eight conference games only. They don't include a second half because they don't want teams to run up the score or you know be uh, be poor sports. Um, that's a number that has to get turned into the WIAA. Finally, if it does come down to it, a coin flip would be used to determine any uh, final tiebreakers. I don't recall a coin flip being used in any situations, but I can't say for certain that it has never been used. So that's the playoff criteria, qualifying criteria, and it's going to be very confusing for a lot of people, especially if you're kind of new to following high school football. We're going to do our best to break it down many, many times. We're going to produce after week six here our first uh, playoff eligibility report where we'll look at who has clinched, who is on the verge of clinching, who needs to win one more conference game to clinch, who you know, is still uh, has some work to do. So, And then we'll lay out that criteria in there. Try to keep it as simple as possible for people to know where their team stands uh, heading into these last few weeks of the season. So that was, uh, again, answering the question about um, if you are, do you have to win your conference to get a top three team? Uh, there was another question that was uh, from Matt Farah, Farah about how many three and four teams might get into the playoffs because I think it was 2012 was the, the first year that uh, we had not enough teams that finished. And, and at that time, you could, uh, you could play an uh, an even number of games. You could be three and three or four and four in conference. We we did not have enough teams to fill the 224 out of teams that had won, uh, that had finished at 500 or above. So that was the first year somewhere in there that we had to take teams that finished below 500. And so the last couple years, uh, it has been a number of teams that finish three and four in conference that have been able to get into the playoffs. Uh, so the uh, number last year, I'm trying to remember last year. I will find it as we continue to chat here. But uh, again, last year, they're just like the, the last few years, there have been teams that finished three and four that have gotten into the playoffs. Um, pulling it up right now, and, and have to, you know you have to go through that tiebreaker criteria and and everything else. Um, let's see. Well, now I can't find it. <laughs> uh, but needless to say, it, last year when we were going through all of those different tiebreakers. It was a mess. There was a lot of them that uh, that ended up three and four, and we had to go through tiebreakers for. Uh, in fact, I 
think the number was 43 teams that we had to go through uh, tiebreakers for uh, because they finished three and four. And the number of spots that were available weren't that many. Um, I can't remember exactly how many ended up getting in. Um, but it was it was a mess, and it was not uh, not fun to have to go through and figure tiebreakers for 43 different teams. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm spacing on exactly how many of those teams actually got into the playoffs, though. Uh, but anyway, we know it's going to happen. It uh, There's fewer teams now than there ever were, which increases the chances of needing to take more teams that finish three and four in conference play to get in. And it's just a matter of how many. I mean, it could be five. It could be 20. It's just, it, it all depends on how things play out that last you know, week of the regular season and how many teams clinch and then how many, um, you know, how many are still needing to do some work and how many have to go through that tiebreaker process. So it's just, uh, just up in the air right now. Uh, got a question about thoughts on the Southeast Conference. Uh, obviously, we we talked about that Oak Creek Franklin game this week, um, which you know has has decided the conference title for a number of years. And Franklin has dominated that matchup, and Franklin has dominated the Southeast Conference as a result. Um, we've seen you know a little bit of ebbs and flows with some of the other Southeast Conference teams. The Kenosha teams have really dropped off the last few years, unfortunately. Really, since Kenosha Indian Trail opened, uh, before that, when all of those students were funneled into Bradford and Tremper, and their enrollments were, you know, 3,500 or 3,800, I think it was at one point. Uh, you know, they were they were doing pretty well. Obviously, Kenosha Bradford won a state title uh, in 2010 or 11, whatever it was, uh, 11, I think. Um, but it's it's been a little tough sledding for the Kenosha schools since then, since they went to three high schools and, and further split that talent pool. Indian Trails had some good athletes and, and hasn't been able to capitalize and, you know, have had some uh, uh, some coaching change over there. Um, the Racine schools, Racine Horlick is is on a good run right now. Brian Fletcher is doing a nice job with that program. Of course, it, it helps to have his son, Blake, as a, a huge playmaker there, and his other son Carson is now on, th- on the team. He's got another son coming up soon. Um, so, you know, out of the Racine and Kenosha schools, they seem best poised to kind of challenge at that top. Um, Racine Park, Racine Case, you know, they, they haven't been in the mix. Racine Case scored a nice win over Brookfield East earlier this year, but have kind of struggled to carry that over into conference play. They're one and two right now, as is Racine Park. And uh, I don't know. The, the other part of the question was, is the Southeast ever going to get back to the, the heyday? And, and I, I assume that means, you know, not just Franklin and Oak Creek being state powers, but the Racine and Kenosha schools being state powers. High school sports and high school football is very cyclical. So there's nothing saying it can't and won't happen. It likely will happen at some point. I don't know when. It's, it's on a down cycle right now, obviously, for the Kenosha and Racine, uh, Racine schools. Um, but you have to think at some point it will get flipped and those teams will have some resurgence and it's just a matter of if or when that's going to happen. A question as well from Katie Lecton about conferences that are the most competitive or maybe the least competitive. 
And uh, what conferences uh, do I not expect representation from in the playoffs? We broke this down last year. We we tallied up the playoff um, record, total playoff record for all the teams in your in your league for every conference in the state. And let me start by saying, I mean, there's a couple conferences. There's a few conferences that certainly stand out. The Classic Eight, I think, is the best conference in the state overall. Um, the Parkland is very good. They have two defending state champions. The Capital North and the Northeastern are two of the best kind of mid-school conferences in the entire state. When you talk about small school conferences, the Merrowood is always in that uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's pretty consistent with some of those. And the North Shore, usually pretty strong. You know, Homestead's been pretty good. And then you've got Hartford on the, on the come up. And Whitefish Bay had had some good teams. Um, so it's, it's the same conferences quite often. If we look back at last year's performance, and I, we posted this on WIS Sports somewhere uh, at, at some point, and I can't remember where or when. Um, I'll, I'll try to dig it out and post it as we get closer to the, the postseason this year. But again, we tracked the playoff performance of every conference in the state of Wisconsin. Not surprisingly, with two conference or with two state champions, the best conference as far as overall winning percentage of teams from that conference in the playoffs was the Parkland, who went 13 and three. Next up was the Merrowood, nine and three. The Flyway was ten and four. You had Springs and Mayvale both make it to the state championship game, so not surprising there. The Big East, seven and three. The Southeast Conference, six and three. Of course, buoyed by uh, five wins, uh, most of that coming from uh, from Franklin. <coughs> Excuse me. The North Shore, eleven and six. Homestead made it to the state finals. Hartford had a solid run. Whitefish Bay had a nice run. The Northeastern, the Swall, Rock Valley, the Cooley, all had pretty good records as well. There were some teams on the other, or some conferences on the other end of that spectrum as well, though. Conferences that did not win a game in the postseason last year. Neither one of the Milwaukee conferences, the Blackburn or the Richardson. The Trailways was winless. They were 0-5 as well. Uh, some teams only, or some conferences only got one victory. And that included, a little bit surprisingly perhaps, the VFA, which is the old Wisconsin Valley Conference schools. Although, let's be honest, they've, they've kind of struggled on the state stage a little bit here lately. The CWC Small, the Great Northern, the Metro Classic, Ridgeon Valley, Woodland, Bay, Dairyland, and Packerland. All in addition to the VFA, scored just one playoff victory amongst teams from those conferences. So again, we have that laid out on wisports.net. I'll dig it out and post it here soon, uh, the, the final results from last year's playoffs. And, and certainly uh, we had some conference changeover this year with, in terms of which teams are in which conferences that will impact the strength of some of these. Things change naturally, but you can bet that the Parkland is probably going to have a pretty good record. The Merrowood is probably going to have a pretty good record when you have Colby and Edgar both in that in that conference. The Flyway with Mayville and St. Mary Springs is going to be very good again. Uh, so it's going to be some of those the same leagues that are going to be towards the top, you would think. Um, the CWC Large, I think, should be pretty solid. You've got Amherst, Stratford, Wittenberg, Burnhamwood is having a good year. Shiocton, I think, is a sleeper. Wyowega Fremont is an improved program. Interestingly, 
and, and I don't know how many of these losses were by were to other teams from that league, but the FBA, which is another conference that comes up in the discussion of best conferences in the state, the FBA was seven and six last year. And again, I don't know how many of those losses came against other FBA teams, which obviously skews that a little bit, but um, that was uh, that was interesting. And in the Classic Eight, even, I mean, they were nine and six. They had a 600 conference winning percentage, which was solid. It was in the top 15 of the 50 some leagues that are in the state, um, but they didn't have as good of a, a conference finish as they have in, in years past. Uh, no teams made the state championship game from the, the Classic Eight, when in past years, we've uh, there was one year we had three, Arrowhead in Division One, Waukesha West in Division Two, and Catholic Memorial in Division Three. So, uh, again, we'll break that down. We'll post it on Wisports.net. Our good buddy Joe Herte asked us uh, asked me what it would take to get me to a Wisconsin versus a, a UP team game. Um, I don't know. I, I, there's not very many of them. Number one, because there's there's just not not that not that many. Um, it would be interesting. We'll see at, at some point. Uh, I'd prefer to watch a couple of Wisconsin teams, but never say never, right? I mean, I did go to Hurley last year for a game, so have gone up that direction. So that'll do it from our uh, for our submitted questions this week. We'll try to do it maybe a few other times as we as we wrap up and, and get towards the end of the high school football season. Let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, again, that'll do it for today. Uh, week six of the high school football season upon us. That means next week you can find our playoff report on wisports.net. There are teams that are clinching playoff spots this week. There are teams that are moving into position. Uh, there are teams that are going to uh, move in a really good position for their conference races. We talked about a few of those that included some games where it was uh, – you know, the, the top two teams in the league scoring off this week, and somebody's going to take sole possession of first place. If you didn't see, we released our semifinalists for the WSN Senior Football Awards this week. You can check those out, see if your favorite player made the list. We'll cut the, the, those down again. After level one of the playoffs, we'll get down to our finalists. Usually five finalists at each position, but sometimes we cheat and do six or eight. I think we did ten one time at, at one of the positions. But uh, you can find that on wisports.net. All kinds of information. You want to make wisports.net your daily destination for all of your high school sports needs. That will do it for our WSN podcast for today. I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.